Hello and welcome again. Uh, the next spiritual discipline that we're talking about today is community. Now community doesn't necessarily sound like a discipline, but the thing is that spiritual disciplines, they're not all meant to be done in private. I mean, you, you need to have some privacy for some spiritual practices, whether it's meditating on God's word or Sabbath or solitude. Um, but church and faith are meant to be done in groups. Let me say this blessing over you as you contemplate how God wants you to be a part of community. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone cannot be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 12. I hope that you can find a community that helps you grow in faith and in holiness and in godliness and make community a regular part of your spiritual disciplines. See you. Well, good morning, everyone. How are you? How are you really? I'll take it. Uh, my name is Jamie. Just want to welcome you here again, uh, whether you're tuning in online or if uh, you're here in person, on-site, online. We love to gather together to celebrate Jesus and to learn a little bit about what uh, he's doing in our community. Uh, so we have um, been in this series called Spiritual Disciplines, Seven Practices Towards Godliness. We've been in this season where we've been wanting to do uh, some teachings on practices that you can take home and grow in faith and grow closer to Jesus. Uh, and so even before we begin, our kids even have spaces that they can grow uh, in faith and become more like Jesus. I would welcome them if, you, if there are any kids in here. If you guys want to go um, meet someone at the back, they're going to take you down to, to kids ministry uh, to see real kids and have a lot of fun. But we all have different practices that we can add to our own lives in order to grow closer to Jesus. And so some of the ones that we have talked about so far was meditation. We've talked about silence and solitude. And we've talked about prayer. And in the context that we've been talking about those three things so far, they've mostly been private practices. Things that you can do in your own life, uh, in your own time, and in your own space. Meditating on God's Word sometimes probably requires a little bit of silence. It, re it requires some distraction-free environments as you try to meditate on God's Word. Uh, silence and solitude, they require well, they require silence, and they require solitude. They're private practices. And even prayer, specifically the prayer that we talked about last week from Matthew 6, when it says, when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray for your Father in private. So far, they have all been these private, maybe even a little bit isolated, spiritual disciplines, practices that you can use to grow in faith and closer to Jesus. But today is going to be a little bit different. Today we're going to make all the introverts shudder. And we're going to talk about community. Now, I know community doesn't sound like a spiritual discipline, but it is. 
Church, for example, is made to be done together in community, right? Where two or three or more are gathered in his name, right? We all know that little scripture. Uh, and so we're going to be talking about community. Now, I get community is a bit of a loaded word. It can mean a lot of things in a lot of different contexts. It can require a lot of different kinds of people. But remember that we're in the context of spiritual disciplines. And so, although I'm not going to touch on all of the different kinds of communities today, I want you to keep that as a reminder. We're talking about spiritual disciplines. We're talking about practices of community that you can have in your daily life in order to get closer to Jesus. And so there's lots of definitions. There's a lot of implications of, uh, of community. Uh, and so I want to read something from Romans 1. It's not going to be on screen. I don't have that. But this is what Paul says about community in Romans 1. He says, For I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. And then get this, Romans 1.12. It says, When we get together, okay, that's community, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. That's Romans 1, 11 and 12. This is, this is Paul's definition of community. We gather together so that I can encourage you and you can encourage me. That's a spiritual discipline, at least a biblical one, that I, uh, I see when it comes to community, especially in uh, the context of spiritual disciplines. So uh, Paul Tripp, who is kind of like a pastor for pastors, uh, he says this about community in his book, Whiter Than Snow. He says, we weren't created to be independent, autonomous, or self-sufficient. We were made to live in a humble, worshipful, and loving dependency upon God and in a loving and humble interdependency with others. Our lives were designed to be community projects. Yet the foolishness of sin tells us that we have all that we need within ourselves. So we settle for relationships that never go beneath the casual. We defend ourselves when the people around us point out weaknesses or a wrong. We hold our struggles within, not taking advantage of the resources that God has given us. One of the resources that God has given us to bypass the foolishness of sin that says you can do it on your own is community. We can't do it all ourselves. We need people surrounding us in order to help us in our walk of faith. And so, as we talk about community, I want to give you what I think, at least in our context today, is our definition of community. And it's made up of two words. The word come and the word unity. Literally, the word come means to, to go or to join something, right? To, so to go somewhere, to come is a deliberate gathering. You are doing something. All the introverts are like, yeah, but sorry. I've got some of those in my house. And sometimes they have to be forced to, to go somewhere. I get it. To be a part of a deliberate gathering. It's a discipline to go somewhere, especially for those who struggle with going somewhere. So to come is a deliberate gathering, and unity is this common affirmation. Our comfort, our, our, our common affirmation as a church is Jesus. And so we deliberately have to go where we are gathered to meet Jesus 
a common affirmation. So our definition of community for the purpose of, of, of self-discipline, of spiritual discipline, would be to fellowship with others as a result of shared attitudes, interests, or goals. And we gather to celebrate Jesus. And so let's talk about uh, communities in a different way for a moment. Raise your hand if you are a fan of the Oreo cookie. Don't lie. You're in church. You're not allowed to lie. Come on. Raise your hand. Because if you're a fan of Oreos, you love Oreos. Ah, 25%. Shockingly lower than I thought. So here are the five kind of levels of Oreo cookie. As you can see, there are all the same number of Oreos in each stack but they're a little bit taller. Let's talk about these levels of Oreo. I, like, I am a connoisseur of Oreo cookies, believe it or not. 22 seconds. Does anyone know what 22 seconds is in the context of an Oreo cookie? That is the perfect amount of time to dunk your cookie in milk where it becomes both soggy and crunchy, which is the way to eat an Oreo cookie. You guys aren't as passionate about this apparently as I am. So first we have the Oreo Thin. If you eat Oreos, why bother? You don't eat Oreo Thins. If you're watching your weight, you stay away from Oreos altogether. Don't worry about the Thins. And then you've got the original Oreo, which is uh, Mr. Christie probably got it right the first time, let's be honest. The original, the OG Oreo cookie is passable. And then you've got what, in my opinion, is the perfect Oreo, the double stuff. The double stuff is the perfect amount of icing or whatever that white stuff is. I'm pretty sure it's laced with cocaine, but I digress. It's the perfect amount because really the, 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 the same amount of cookie wafer is so proportionate to the icing. I move on. And then we've got more stuff. Or it's called mega stuff, I should say. There's just a little bit more icing, which it's like, okay, Mr. Christie, now you're going too far. Calm down. That's a little bit much. And if you've ever had a mega stuff, you know, like, ah, it just, it's just not right. There's just a little bit too much. And then, and then there's the most stuff, which is basically just icing with a little bit of cookie crumble, let's be honest. It is just not a good cookie. It's like you're eating a hand-sized cake. You don't want that. It's not good. And so as, as I talk about community, I want us to think about this for a second. Because communities are like this. There are, there are different kinds of community. And just like an Oreo, which they all have different layers of stuff. Look, the cookie doesn't change. It's the stuff in the middle that changes in each level. So just like your communities, it's the amount of stuff that you share with people that make them different. It's the amount of stuff that you're willing uh, to let people in on. It, it's, it's, it's all the goodness, it, it's all the secrets, it's all the things in our lives that just have different levels of people in which we're willing to share. And so, I am going to suggest to us today, and we're gonna kinda concentrate on like the middle three Oreos here for a moment. Uh, as we talk about three communities, that I would suggest Jesus was involved in for the purposes of spiritual discipline. I, I believe that Jesus 
Uh, he had all sorts of communities. I think he has a lot more than three. He probably has five or six. But we're just going to touch on the three today that I believe he used for the purposes of spiritual discipline. We're going to kind of go from macro to micro, kind of the, the, from the wide to the deep, the, the big sizable groups and the ones that are all uh, that, that are the deepest but the fewest people. We're going to go from large to small, wide to deep, micro to macro. So this first community that Jesus involved himself in for the purposes of spiritual development is what I'm going to call the all-together. Everyone say all-together. It's the all-together community. This kind of community would be a little bit more formal. It would be semi-frequent group of people that Jesus had contact with. It's typically a larger group of peers. And depending, depending on how introverted you are or extroverted you are, the larger this group can be in your life. If you're an extroverted person, you love all of the people. You just want to be in all of the spaces where all of the people are. And so this group could be a hundred people. Now maybe you're a little more extroverted. You don't like the big crowds, but a, 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 a community like this for you needs to still happen in your life, but it would be limited to, to maybe like 20 people. So this circle makes up most of your day-to-day -day interactions because it is so wide. This might be your peers or your acquaintances, your coworkers, your neighbors, probably our church congregation. This is an all-together community because we're literally gathering together. And so for Jesus, I would suggest that this is comprised of really his first group of followers. And I'm talking about beyond the 12 disciples, his really his first close-knit group of followers, the people that immediately caught on to his mission and his ministry. And so I want to read from Luke 10, verses 1 to 18. I am going to skip a few in the middle just for time's sake. But this is how Jesus chose 70 people to go before him to do ministry in his authority and his power. This is uh, Luke 10, starting at verse 1. It says, The Lord now chose 72 other disciples, so that's apart from the 12 disciples, and he sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the fields. Now, go and remember that I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. And we're going to move to verse 16. Then he said to these disciples, these 70, 72, Anyone who accepts your message is also accepting me. And anyone who rejects you is rejecting me. And anyone who rejects me is rejecting God who sent me. And when the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, Jesus told them. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. So when you have a community like this in your life, a community surrounded by encouragement, and sending, when you have a, a community like this, where you're co-laborers together, like this is the kind of thing that can happen. Uh, for Jesus, uh, his larger community would have probably included biblical characters that you may be familiar with, like Nicodemus, or the three Marys, or Zacchaeus, Joseph of Arimathea, these people who we know a little bit about, but they weren't his day-to-day -day interactions. But he entrusted all of these people, these 72 plus his original followers, 
He entrusted them to do ministry. He gave them both warning and empowerment, but also commended them when they were successful. You need these kinds of people around you in your life to encourage you, to empower you, to maybe even rebuke or warn you when the time is right. And no matter how big that community might be in your life, you need it for spiritual discipline. Your group of all-together people are those that support you and defend you and cheer you on. For me, this might be someone from the congregation who says, hey, that was a, that was a great sermon today. I want to go tell my friend about it. It's you guys. Like, this is a, I don't know, there might be 100, 200 people in the house today. I can't really see, but like that is my, this can be my all-together community. We encourage and empower one another. We have conversations away just from this relationship. This would be my worship and creative team that I get to serve with each week. There's about 40 or 50 people all together, and we serve together, and we encourage one another, and we empower one another, and sometimes we say, like, I'm not sure that worked. Let's try something different. This is my all-together community. And so that's the first one I want to talk about today, the all-together community. The second one is this. It's called the one another community. One another. Everyone say one another. This circle of community is highlighted by probably a little bit more of a less formal and more frequent group of people. I would say of about 8 to 12 people. People who make up your friendly connections and you see them more often than your larger group. This might be made up your, of your small group. Maybe your friend group, your, maybe the sports team or the, the people you hang out with at the gym. People who are, you are comfortable to sit down with and talk about life and faith and all the other things. You might not get into the deepest realities of, of life and all those kinds of things, but you surround yourself with people who, who like the larger group, encourage you and you just have deeper conversation, deeper moments of community. And for Jesus, of course, I would posit that this would be his 12 disciples. The people that he, it was like his day-to-day -day interactions. And so I want to read you to you, this is a bit of a paraphrase of both Matthew 10 and Mark 3. It says, Jesus called his 12 disciples together, and he gave them the authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. He appointed these 12 men and called them his apostles. They were to accompany him, and he would send them out to preach, giving them authority to cast out demons. Here are the names of the twelve. Simon, also called Peter. Andrew, Peter's brother. James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Philip, Bart, Tom, Matt, James, Thad, and Simon, and of course, Judas Iscariot. I'm a nickname guy, so. Those are like his, his twelve best friends. These are the people that he poured the most life and wisdom and teaching to his most frequent interactions he discipled these men to carry on the kingdom of God when he was not around this was Jesus's small group in many ways yes he was the main teacher but they also showed him some perspective on what it meant to be truly 100% human that they were able to uh, give him Jesus the perspective of what it's like to sin and be tempted. And although Jesus experienced some of those things, not sin, but temptation, and what it was like to be human, these men truly showed him their perspective. So there's this reciprocal relationship that he has with this small group of men. It, it, this, this community is the people that we can sit with and gain perspective from. 
And I get that our, our walks with Jesus are all different. All of them. Everyone is original and unique in its own way. And when we can gather together in small groups like this, this one another community, we begin to uh, learn from one another's culture and history and perspective and context. So for me, this is my small group. I can see some of them in here today. I can share. There are things that I can both teach and learn from all of those people. For me, it's, it's the, the team that I serve with each week, right? Whether it's on the stage here or uh, with the creative team in the back. Those are the people that I have community with week to week. They're the friends back home who care enough to call and check in every now and then. And so this one another community of about 8 to 12 people is you can get a little bit deeper. It might not be uh, the deep, dark secrets and, and the realities of life that you discuss, but sometimes it's just uh, the surface level important stuff for us to share together. So that's the one another community. And the third community is called each other. Everyone say each other. Now the difference between each other and one another, one another is a group thing. Each other is a more one-on-one one to two kind of connectivity that we all need in our lives. This one another group is typically defined by these kind of smaller, more infrequent, they're more intimate, they're interpersonal. These groups uh, are where we kind of share our deepest thoughts or our deepest wounds. We share the most of our personal space might be a spouse or an accountability partner or a mentor or a best friend. And even Jesus had and showed this kind of community. And so this was, of course, defined by three men, Peter, James, and John. This smallest group of community that Jesus showed, that they were the ones who came to see him when he raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. They were the men who were there who he asked to accompany him in the Garden of Gethsemane when he, when he prayed before the Passion of the Christ. They were the ones who were there at the Transfiguration. There were three men who got a, a different glimpse into Jesus' life and ministry. These three men saw things a little bit differently than some of the other disciples. And so I want to read from Matthew 17, starting at verse 1. So six days later, Jesus took Peter... And the two brothers, James and John, and led them up a high mountain to be alone, right? Privacy. He had some personal connectivity. He had to separate them from the rest of the group so that they could see what was about to happen. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. Suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. Peter exclaimed, Lord, it's wonderful for us to be here. If you want, I'll make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. But even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. The disciples were terrified and fell face down on the ground. Then Jesus came over and he touched them. He said, Get up, he said. Do not be afraid. And they looked up. Moses and Elijah were gone, and they only saw Jesus. And get this. As they went back down the mountain, the four of them, Jesus commanded them, do not tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. He's like, all right, I, I've showed you this 
deep part of my life and what has just happened. And he doesn't want him to keep, he just wants him to keep it a secret until the resurrection. He said, this is for your eyes only at this moment. This is for us. It, it's, it's the deeper things. It's, it's a kind of trust that you share with this community. It, it's a, tr- a kind of vulnerability. It's a personal space. And Jesus let these three men into that personal space at times. These kinds of communities can be our most valuable relationships. And we've preached on this before. The people that you share deep thoughts and deep wounds and deep secrets and deep joys and exciting news and moments in your life. They're the most impactful relationships and community that you can have. Surround yourself with these people who can challenge you and help change you and transform you through the power of the Spirit and the words that he gives others. For me, uh, I have three people in my life who would be in this community, this, this each other community for me. My spouse, I would argue that if your spouse is not the deepest relationship and the deepest conversation that you have, it should be. So number one would be my spouse, and then I have two men in my life who I uh, talk to every week. One's name is Tim Hereabout. He's been a friend since, I think, the year 2000. He's a pastor in Maple Ridge, B.C., and another friend named Matt Snow, who was the best man in my wedding. We, I still talk to these people week in and week out, and they are the three people who I have these conversations with, the deepest conversations with, this each other community. And so, of course, we've got these three communities. You've got the all-together, our large group uh, of people. You've got the one-anothers, which is like a small group. You know, your, your 8 to 10 to 12 kind of closest acquaintances that you have. And then the each-other community, where it's your, your deepest conversations. We're going from wide to deep as far as people and conversation goes. We go from uh, a little bit of icing to more icing to probably a little bit too much icing, but that's what Jesus recommends for us. So, Jesus, I would say, demonstrated these kinds of communities. Now, you could say that there are more. There's probably a community with those that he served. There's probably a community that those he argued with, right? The Pharisees and so on. But the three communities that we're talking about for the purposes of spiritual discipline are they all together the one another, and the each other. Not only did Jesus model these, but the early church in Acts 2 took these models and applied them to the birth of the church. This is coming from Acts 2, soon after the Holy Spirit filled them. Acts 2, starting at verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Get that? They devoted themselves to community. Don't miss that and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and they devoted themselves to prayer. And what happened? A deep sense of awe came over them. And all the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and their possessions, and they shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, and they met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And here is what happens. And each day, the Lord added to their numbers. See, when we take this biblical approach of community, Jesus does something with that. 
And maybe the Lord's not adding to our numbers daily. I, I don't know how that all works, but I do know that when we take this approach of spiritual disciplines, when we practice community together, intentional and personal and deliberate, the Lord can use that to change and transform one another in the communities around us. And so these verses here in Acts 2, we see the all together. It says they met in one place. They met in the temple. They had church together. They gathered and they celebrated and prayed for one another. We see these one another communities where it says that they met in homes. They met in small groups. They encouraged one another and prayed for one another and empowered one another. We see these each other communities where they share meals together. They invite people over to their house and, and share dinner together. And so not only did Jesus model these, but the early church did too. And I would say, so should we. And so we find spiritual discipline, these practices of godliness in these community settings that Jesus modeled in the early church set in motion as the foundation of the church. And so, I don't know, maybe you're lacking one of these communities. Maybe you do one really well. And maybe there's one in the middle we are not so good at. And maybe you're missing a certain kind of people. What I would say is search your heart, search your friend group, scroll down of all 600 people you follow on Facebook that you call friends, and say, who is my community? I know that this is one. And so if you need an all-together community, considering serving on a team at church. I serve with 40 to 50 different individuals week in and week out. And I have community, and we encourage and empower one another. If you need a one another community, join a small group or a Bible study. Get together with people and talk about the deeper things in life. And if you don't have an each other community, find a trustworthy, intimate, one-on-one setting with a friend or a mentor or your spouse to talk about the deepest things of life. All together, one another, each other. And so if you've been following along in your spiritual disciplines handbook that we made, raise it. If you've got yours, wave it. Ah, that's good. That's good. I hope you guys have been taking notes. There will be a test afterward. Don't laugh. There is. Don't laugh. There is. I'm just kidding. There's not. However, your challenge for this week is to do community. Your challenge is to quite literally invite someone to dinner. And maybe it doesn't have to be at your house. Maybe you take someone out to dinner. But we want you to just have dinner with someone. Have someone sit at your table. Talk about life. Laugh. Cry. Share a great drink together. Share a drink meal together. Have a, like an Oreo I don't know, buffet of some sort. Get all five kinds of Oreos, set them up, and be gluttons together. I don't know. I don't care how it looks. I really don't. But I want you to sit and talk about life with people. Create for yourself a community. I'm doing this tonight. Okay? I'm not just saying you should go do it and I'm good. We're literally having two families over at our house tonight to just talk about life and, and to laugh and get our kids together to play and cause trouble, but not too much trouble, just enough. We want to encourage you guys to do the same. And so be thinking now, like, who is it? 
Who is it? What, what is the family who is maybe new to our church that hasn't quite connected yet? Who is it, that person, that young adult who's sitting alone and just looking for community and to connect with someone? Who is it in your areas of influence that you can invite over and just share a meal with and laughter and whatever? Do that. That's biblical community and a spiritual discipline we should all get into the habit of because everyone likes food. And even if you're picky and don't like food, that's okay. You can just drink water. Enjoy. What I want to do uh, in a moment is we're actually going to close in worship, but not the way that you think we are. We want to close in a community prayer. We want to give you opportunities to be prayed for. We want opportunities for you to be praying for the church. And as you consider who it is that you're going to take out to dinner or invite at your your family's table, whatever it is, I want to pray for you, and then I'm going to invite Pastor Jason to come up and lead us in a time of community prayer. Pray with me. Jesus, whatever community it is that each one of us are maybe lacking in, God, search our hearts and show us the people and the groups and the communities that we are lacking in our lives for our own spiritual discipline. God, use us to encourage and empower and to minister to others, but may we also have open hearts and open minds and open ears to be encouraged and empowered and ministered by others. Because sometimes you speak into the voices of others which speak into our lives. And just like the Apostle Paul says, in Romans 1. God, may we not neglect meeting together. Let's long to visit one another so that we can encourage one another in our faith, but also be encouraged by one another. Lord, help us. May we be disciplined in the ways of godliness. May we grow in faith and grow closer to you because of it. And all of God's people agreed and said, amen, amen.